Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stand with me, stand with me, stand with me if you would. Uh, we, we, you have a special treat today. I'm not preaching. What, what a special treat. Bro, bro, Brother Kemp Holden from uh, Gulf Shore, Alabama, uh, formerly from uh, Fort Smith, Arkansas. He's been a friend of ours for many, many, many years. And uh, don't throw too many minis in there. But many years, he's been a friend to Carrie and I and our family and this church and has helped us so very much. Uh, Brother Kemp started as a missionary in the Caribbean. And then he and his lovely wife, Carol, went to Fort Smith, Arkansas to start a church. And they began Harvest Time Tabernacle with 27 people. Is that right? 27? 27 people. And uh, the church grew to 3,500 people. And um, he has now uh, left that work. And he is the uh, chairman of Worldwide Evangelism and ministers all over the world and has so many ministers and, and, and missionaries that he oversees. Would you give him a big welcome to the pulpit today as he preaches the word of God? Pastor, thank you. Thank you. Well, good morning, Ray of Hope. And to the rest of you, good morning. May God bless you. You may be seated. It is not hard to get me to come to Comanche, Oklahoma, and to Ray of Hope. This is one of my favorite places in the whole world, and we're delighted to see you today. And that bright stuff out there that kind of bothered your eyes, that's called sunshine. Come on, let's give God a hand for no rain and sunshine. I got the usual greeting I always get when I come to Ray of Hope. When I walked in the lobby, first service this morning, so good to see you, Kemp. Where's Carol? I said, thank you very much. She, uh, she, number one, sends her greetings, and number two, she was planning to be here. She was going to come with me. She loves to come here, loves Pastor Mike and Sister Carrie and their family. I got to have dinner last night with, uh, with uh, Brother Mike and uh, just uh, had, a, had a great time with uh, Matt, and uh, Matt's grown up from a skinny little guy to a muscular guy. I, I was telling her about that, and she said, I wish to goodness I could be there, but she could not be here uh, beyond her own control. A few weeks ago, two, about two weeks ago, we flew to Phoenix to do a mission conference out there in Phoenix, and on the way back in the plane, she was not aware that she had maybe a pretty serious sinus infection, and the pressure in the aircraft was not like it should be. And when we landed in Pensacola, she could not hear anything, nothing, deaf. <clears throat> and uh, so me being the great leader that I am, I said, I'm taking you to urgent care right now. She being the strong woman that she is said, uh, I, that's okay, it's, it's going to come back, it'll be good. I don't, I don't want to go to urgent care. I said, since the Bible has put me in charge of this family and I'm the leader, we're going to urgent care. I thought the men would at least give me a hand. You're afraid to, guys. That's what it is. You don't want to clap. So anyway, I took her to urgent care. We had gotten there, and uh, just in a matter of minutes, they took her back. In about 15 minutes, they paged me. 
And I said, why are they paging me? I'm not sick. What is, what is the deal here? And so I walked back there, and the doctor was there. He's a great, great doctor, specialist in the field. And, and he looked at me, and he said, uh, he said, Pastor, I understand Carol did not want to come to urgent care from the airport. I said, yes, sir, that's true. But he said, I understand that you brought her anyway. I said, yes, sir, I did. He said, you may have saved her hearing. As a result of what happened, it's what's called the bubble wrap effect, and it blew out both of her eardrums. Yes. And uh, so they began all their little stuff that they do. Long story short, her hearing is back completely in the right eye, but there's been some difficulty with the left eye. She has hearing, but not 100%, but we're believing it. And Thursday, she had a procedure. This is going to wake you up. She had a procedure. They went in there and made an incision in her ear and then injected her with a steroid shot in her ear. <clears throat> She's a tough woman, but I saw big old tears coming in her eyes. But I talked to her this morning and she does not have pain in the ear. Seemed like the hearing is getting better. So please pray for her. But that's the reason she's not here today. So uh, please, please pray for her. We, we feel you all's love very, very much. I want to talk a little bit just quickly before I get to the message. As one preacher said, now before I preach, I'm going to say something. I, I, <laughs> some of you are a little slow today, but I'll give you a chance on that. Uh, I, want to, I want to talk to you a little bit about tonight, the service tonight. I believe the Lord has put something very special in my heart, and I would encourage you to come. We start tonight. Is it 6 o'clock? 6 o'clock tonight. I want to encourage you to come. How many of you are aware that we've got some absolutely incredible things that are going on in the world today, and not only, not only negative things, but great things. There is a breath of fresh air that is, I believe, the breath of God that is blowing up on the earth in an unbelievable way today. Uh, a few weeks ago, a few years ago, when I was here, maybe the last time I was here, the time before, I talked to you about five significant prophecies, Bible prophecies, that have been fulfilled in our lifetime. Just many of them recently have lain on the pages of the Scripture forever, and suddenly God has saw fit to fulfill those, indicating to us that we're quickly approaching what you sung about today, and that is the end of the age and the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you believe he is indeed coming back? Amen. Amen. Well, since I was here last, there has been two other, I mean significant, clearly prophecies spoken by Jesus that are actually being fulfilled as I stand here today. And I'm going to talk just briefly about that. That's not my subject tonight, but I'm going to be speaking tonight on a breath of fresh air, and you need to be here tonight. I would encourage you to get on your phones and uh, call your friends, your family members, people that, that uh, do or do not attend this church, uh, people you work with. Invite them to come. I promise you they will be challenged by what they're going to hear. Uh, this is a, a very special moment for me today because I feel that the Lord has, has put a word in my heart for today and I typically would never make a statement like this, but I'm going to make it now. I believe God has given me a specific word and you know, I guess I'm from the old school, but I still believe the Holy Spirit speaks to men a message for a specific people at a specific time in a specific place. How many of you believe that? I'm just not much. I don't get my sermons out of somebody's book. Maybe you do. That's fine with me. Uh, I, I'm not much on leftovers. My wife will tell you that. Uh, I can eat them because I'm a good husband, but I even have trouble praying over leftovers. 
I mean, I like fresh stuff. How about you? And I want to tell you something. God is not out of fresh stuff. And uh, so I'm going to make you a promise. If you will hear what I'm going to say in the next few moments from the Word of God, I'm not talking about just hear it with your ears, but you'll hear it in your spirit. I'm going to make you a promise. If you will hear it and respond to it 12 months from today, this is better than a Walmart guarantee. 12 months from today, I promise you, at every level of your life, your life will be better than it was before. How many of you, how many of you would be interested in a better life in front of you than the one behind you? Well, half of my church in Arkansas was Southern Baptist, and Southern Baptists like to vote, so we're going to take a vote right now. I'm going to ask that question again. How many of you would like your life, regardless of your age, you would like your life to be better a year from today than it is right now? All right. How many of you are willing to do something about it? Now, that's a totally different deal. Isn't it? If you can deliver it to me free and I don't have to do anything, I'm for that. I want to begin by saying most of us in this room know a lot about Jesus Christ. We know that Jesus was born as a baby in a manger in Bethlehem. We know also that he walked this earth for 33 and a half years as a prophet, as a teacher, as a miracle worker, as a tremendous example. We also know that on this day, on this day, approximately 2,000 years ago, Jesus rode into Jerusalem as the king, palm branches came down, there was celebration and singing on what we call Palm Sunday. How many of you knew it was Palm Sunday? That always intrigues me. Uh, you know, people have always asked, why would the king ride into Jerusalem on a donkey? Kings don't ride donkeys. Kings ride white steeds and stallions. And that's, why did he ride that? I can answer that. I've been around people long enough to answer it for you. If he would have rode in on a white stallion, some fool on the corner would have said, isn't that a beautiful horse? <laughs> They'd have missed the whole point. How many of you know the point is not about the horse, it's about the rider, and his name is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and we need to celebrate today as Palm Sunday. Come on, don't patty cake. Give the Lord a good hand. Wow. We know that that celebration, boy, there's a wonderful spirit here today. My goodness. No wonder your pastor preaches good. Anybody could preach here. Uh, turn, turn to your neighbor and say, we're better folks than most folks think we are. Tell them that, right? We know. <laughs> you see, I, I, just, I just believe Christianity is supposed to be enjoyed. I enjoy preaching. I enjoy listening to preaching. I enjoy worshiping. I, I'm telling you, I have more fun as a Christian than I had on purpose when I was a sinner. Amen. I mean, I accidentally have more fun. It's fun to be saved. Turn your neighbor and say, lighten up, honey. Put a little smile on your face. Things are going to be good. Tell them that, right? Yes. <clears throat> but the celebration on Palm Sunday did not last very long. We all know that that processional came to an end. There was a fake trial. Jesus was taken out and nailed to a cross. And at that point became the Lamb of God that paid the horrible debt for all of our sins. How many of you are glad he paid that debt for your sins? He was taken down from the cross and buried in a tomb. We know that. 
Three days later, you're going to celebrate it next Sunday. He rose from the dead. He is, now we know him as the resurrected living Christ. I've been to the empty tomb. He's not there. He lives forevermore. 40 days, 40 days after his resurrection, he walked the earth for 40 days. And then after 40 days, he took his disciples and followers out to the mount, spoke his final words, and ascended from the earth up into heaven. How many of you knew that so far? How many of you did not know that? How many of you do not care about that? How many of you not raising your hand for any reason? Well, he did. He, he ascended back to, into heaven. Now, I have a question for you today that I want to introduce to you, and I want you to think about this for a moment. And uh, how, how, many of you, how many of you like questions? This is going to be a tough crowd right here. How many of you know we don't like questions in church because they require us to think? Just because you got the Holy Ghost don't mean we're going to cut your head off. You still use that up there. Turn to your neighbor and say, honey, you need to do a little more thinking sometime. I'm going to ask you a question. We know that he ascended into heaven. This is the question. Where is Jesus now, right now, where has he been how many of you are aware that he's not physically present here right now? How many of you are aware of that? His spirit, his presence is here, but his physical body is not here. We know that his body ascended into heaven. We know he is in heaven. But the question is, what is he doing right now? What is he doing right now? I thought you'd never ask. Pick up your Bibles, open them up to the book of Hebrews, the fourth chapter, and I want to read to you three verses. This is something that is really fresh and new to me, and, and I'm, I'm anxious to read this. I need somebody to bring me that little bottle of water right there in case I need it. Amen. You a ball player, Brother Mike? Come on. There we go. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Look at it. Everybody has it say yes? For all you folks that don't, it's going to be on the board. Here we go. Seeing then that we have a great high priest, interesting word, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, watch the next phrase, let us hold fast our confession. Interesting word. The old King James uses the word profession. The new King James says, let us hold our confession. If you go to the original Greek, confession is a more accurate translation than profession because there is a big difference between a profession and a confession. Anybody here ever met a person that professed to be a Christian but had never confessed Christ as their Savior? This verse says, seeing then, now watch this, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, let us hold fast our confession. Directly connected with his position is our confession. Put your Bible down for a moment. Let's do a quick little lesson. Lay your pen down, your purse down, pictures of your grandkids down, your phone down. Get your hands free. Hold your left hand up right here. Amen. Say with me. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. 
Left hand, shake it right there. As my high priest. Right hand up. I want you to notice there is a connection between Christ, our high priest, and our confession. He connects this. Let us hold fast because we have a, 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 a high priest that has ascended into heaven. Let us, we're in the middle here, let us hold fast our confession. Let us hold fast our confession. Now I'm going to talk about that in depth in just a moment. But I want you to get that in your mind. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was at all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us, here it is again, therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy to find grace to help in the time of need. A confession, listen to this, is a verbalization of what you believe in your heart. Now, this is not going to be on the board. It should be, but this has been downloaded to me since I sent this stuff here to, uh, to the folks. But I want you to look in your Bible. You've got your Bible. It's in the very same book right near this, Hebrews 3.1. Just make yourself a note of that. Here's what it says. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession... Christ Jesus. There it is again. Apostle and high priest who is Jesus. Our confession. Now, the word confession can be used in both a negative and a positive way. We're told, of course, that when we sin, we're to confess our sins. And God is faithful to forgive us. How many of you are glad when you confess your sins, God forgives you? of you have needed that since you became a Christian at least once? Some of you need it now because you didn't raise your hand. But confession not only is negative in the Bible, there is also a positive aspect of confession. You actually changed your eternal destination from hell to heaven because of your confession. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, What saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy heart, in thy mouth. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Look at the next verse. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Watch this. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It is not just enough to believe something in your heart. To activate it, you've got to say it. You've got to confess it. Now just keep that in mind. That's why water baptism is so important. If you've not been baptized, you ought to be. It is a public confession. Boy, I, I, was, I, I, just, I did a Holy Spirit backflip. When, when they were leading worship today and they begin to sing the song, I believe this and I believe that and I believe the other and I believe the other. You were singing your confession. How many of you thank God for a worship team that's in tune? They did an incredible job. Come on. Outstanding. Now, this word confess is extremely important. I'm going to give you a definition. You might want to make a note of this. It's actually going to be on the board. This word confess is from a Greek word, homeoglio, 
which has four different definitions. This word homeaglio, translated confess in your Bible, means to say the same thing as another, to agree with, to concede, not to refuse, to promise, not to deny, to confess, to declare, to profess, to declare openly, to speak out freely. I love this fourth one. To praise and celebrate. You did that today. You, with your singing, was not just singing a cute little tune. You were confessing in your praise and your celebration. Now, let me get quickly to this. Jesus said this in Matthew 10, 32. You're going to know this verse when I quote it. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father. How many of you are familiar with that verse? I want to say it again. If you confess me, if you agree with me, if you put yourself in agreement with what I'm saying, and you confess that, I will take what you say. Oh my, I'm about to preach myself happy now. And I will deliver this to your Father. Now let me ask you a question. Can you think of anybody you'd have represent your case other than Jesus that would do a better job? How many of you think Jesus can get it done with the Father? Come on. He said, if I will confess it, I love this. If I will confess it, he will take what I confess and then confess it to my Father. My goodness. How many of you here, <coughs> excuse me, how many of you here want your life to be better a year from now? Yeah. Then here's another question. Are you giving on a daily basis Jesus anything to work with? Because if, if you don't confess it, he says to the Father, I'm not getting anything to work with here. But if you confess with your mouth, Jesus says to the Father, by the way, Father, your son Kemp is confessing in agreement with you and your word. We need to get on his deal. Now, what I want to do in the next few minutes, how many of you know when a preacher says a few minutes that means nothing? <laughs> but I want to give to you quickly, and it's going to have to be quickly, I was a pastor for 50 years. I understand time. I understand beating the Baptist to the restaurant. I understand all of that. <laughs> I understand not getting out on time can affect the tithes and offerings. I know that. But I'm going to tell you something. What I'm about to tell you might be more important than chicken and dumplings at Cracker Barrel. I'm going to give you five confessions quickly. I would encourage you, if you can, write them down, put them in your iPad, your iPhone, wherever you got to do. And I'm going to challenge you to do something. They're very easy to remember. I'm going to ask you to think about and, and do this. Commit them to memory. Put them on a piece of paper. Put them on the dash of your truck. Put them on the dash of your car, on your refrigerator. Uh, stick them in your pocket. Memorize them. And just... Every day, every day, you don't even have to stop. You can be driving, you can be cooking, you can be mopping the floor, you can be working, you can be doing what you're doing, but you can declare these five confessions of faith and Jesus will pick up what you say and deliver it to your Father. Amen. 
How many of you'd like to know what they are? Okay, if you don't want to know. Here they are. First one, you ready? I am who he says I am. I am who he says I am. You know what he says? He says, I am the righteousness of God. When I have accepted Christ as my Savior, ask him for forgiveness, I am no longer a sinner. I am no longer under guilt or condemnation. I am no longer under the shadow of my past mistakes, my bad choices, my failures, my addictions, whatever they were. When I confess Jesus Christ as my Savior, he takes all my sins away. That's good news. That's good news. Look what it says. This, this is a powerful verse. Look at this verse. He hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. In the very same chapter, verse 16 through 18, the Bible says, Wherefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Look at this. All things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. That's about the best news you can get. How many of you have a few old things that were in your life before you came to Christ? Are you aware that they no longer exist because the blood of Jesus Christ does not cover them but literally washed them away? All things are passed away. We need to remind ourselves every day, I'm not under guilt. I'm not a failure. I'm not under shame. I'm not under guilt and condemnation. I am who he says I am. And I am the righteousness of God in Christ. <clears throat> Les Parrott in his book, Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda, you may have read it. Tells about three men walking down the road. Each of them had two sacks around his neck. One sack in the front, one sack in the back. And so the fellow watching this asked the first guy, tell me about these two sacks. He said, well, the sack on my back, first guy, sack on my back, contains all the good things that have happened in my life. The good things that people have done for me, the good things that have just been wonderful, the good things that God has done for me. But, but I keep them back there where nobody will see them and keep them out of sight because I don't want anybody to be thinking I'm bragging. <clears throat> what about the sack on the front? Well, the sack on the front contains all the mistakes, all the failures, all the pain, all the hurt, all the bad choices, all the things I've done wrong is in that front sack. And said, once in a while, I just stop and take those things out and just look at them and think about them and ponder on them a little bit. Said, it really slows me down and hinders my process, but, but I, I do that. Second guy had the same two sacks, but his was in reverse. He said to him, he said, well, what about your sacks? The guy said, well, the sack in the front contains all the good things that have happened to me. The good things that my friends, my family, that God has done. Every once in a while, I like to just take these out and share these with my friends because they're just such good things. I just love to talk about them. 
So what about the sack on your back? Well, the sack on my back, it contains all of my mistakes, all of my bad choices, all of my bad decisions, all of my failures, all of my, my stuff that I, I should not have done. Uh, it, it's, it's a heavy load and it slows me down and hinders my progress, but I, I just can't seem to put my sack down. Third guy who had the two sacks said, tell me about your sacks. He said, well, the sack in the front contains all the good things all the wonderful things that God has done, my friends and family have done, my, my, my parents have done, my kids have done. They're just, they're just good things. And I love to share these. I just, it thrills me to just, just share from, from these, these, these things that God has done with, with all of my friends. He started to walk away and the guy said, what about the sack on your back? He said, okay, the sack on my back, it doesn't have anything in it. Because I cut a hole in the bottom and everything that was a bad choice, a bad decision, or something that brings guilt and condemnation, when I have put it in the sack, it goes all the way through and I no longer have. And this, this sack on the front pulls me forward and nothing keeps me from moving ahead. I'm going to tell you, some of you folks here today, you've experienced God forgiving you of your sins, but you need to cut a hole in your sack. You need to stop carrying stuff that doesn't belong to you because Jesus took it away. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Put your right hand up high right now. I'm going to help you right here. Say with me. I boldly declare. Oh, that's pitiful. Come on. I boldly declare. I am who he says I am. Here's the second statement. I can do what he says I can do. Let me give it to you. Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. It doesn't say I can do some things. It says I can do how many things? I, I didn't hear you. What kind of a day would you have if every day you declared, I can do all things? I can deal with these cantankerous people that I work with with a smile on my face. Come on, somebody. I can deal with these decisions that other people have made that have affected my life. Can I hear an amen to that? I can do. Somebody said success comes in cans, not in cates. But boy, oftentimes, oh, I can't do that. I've never done that before. I don't have any experience in that. I'm just not qualified. Don't let, when you say that, that's what you're confessing. But if you say, I can do all things, you know what happens? Jesus picks that up, delivers it to the Father, and says, Father God, your son, your daughter is speaking your language. We need to get on this and enable him to do it. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. So powerful. This is a sports place. I know people love sports here. Anybody here ever noticed carefully? Stephen Curry's signature Under Armour sneakers who plays, he plays for what, the Golden State Warriors? You ever noticed on television? He's been doing this since he was a student at Davidson. He takes a Sharpie and writes on his sneakers before he goes on the court, I can do all things. That's a quote from the Bible. Now, I don't know anything about Stephen Curry, but I know this. I know a lot of Christians that need to write that on their shoe. 
I can do. What kind of day would you have if you said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me? I love this in the Amplified Bible. Listen to this. Amplified Bible said, I can do all things which he has called me to do through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am ready for anything, equal to anything. Through him infuses me with inner strength and confident power. Wow. Third statement. I have what he says I have. You know what he says you have? Look at this. Philippians 4.13, But my God shall supply all of your need according to the stock market. Is that what it says? <clears throat> my God shall supply all of your need according to OPEC. Boy, this is the place to quote that, isn't it? How many of you know the source of my supply is not the stock market? It's not OPEC. It is not the federal government. It is God Almighty who says, I am your source. Wow. I have what he says I have. Last time I checked, last time I checked, there is not a financial crisis in heaven. Come on, somebody. We need to change our language. We need to quit repeating what the world says and boldly declare what God says and let the Father deliver, let Jesus deliver that to the Father. I am who he says I am. I can do what he says I can do. I have what he says I have. Well, we need, we, need to, we need to rediscover that we're not just struggling here alone. If we will access it, we got somebody that can make it happen in our lives. How many of you know we need to discover who we are in Christ Jesus? I travel a lot by plane. I don't necessarily like it. It used to be fun, but it's become very complicated. Yesterday was an example. I flew all over Texas and Oklahoma trying to get to Comanche. Uh, no kidding. Sat on the plane for an hour and a half on the tarmac in Houston. They rerouted because of the weather you folks were having. Then they had to play, bring in all the experts to see if we had enough fuel to make it. I was for that. And uh, so we, we all went, we flew around Lubbock a while, and then we finally came to Oklahoma City. But airports are interesting. If you want to really be entertained, go to airports, especially if something goes wrong. People get tense. One of the funniest things I've ever seen in an airport was it was a late night flight and the later in the day it gets, the worse things get in airports. Starts downhill and a flight was canceled. And boy, there's people everywhere. Flight was canceled. Everybody was rushing to try to get a seat on the next flight and the thing filled up and there just was no more flights. And the little lady behind the counter was just doing an incredible job as far as, as uh, serving the people. She kept her little smile, and all of a sudden, a guy stepped up, I mean, very impressed with himself. Have you ever seen somebody like that? I mean, he just was, he just was the stuff. I mean, Mr. Wonderful. He walks up there with his big, uh, big, loud voice and says, I got to have a seat on that plane. I got a commitment I got to make. She looked at him with a great little smile and said, Sir, all the seats are taken. I'm so sorry, but the flight is full. We just don't have any seats on this plane. Boy, he backed up and his face got red. He slammed the counter and he said, Young lady, do you know who I am? 
I said, this is going to be fun. <laughs> she never changed expressions. Reached under the counter, took the public address microphone and said, attention, ladies and gentlemen. I have a gentleman at my counter who does not know who he is. Would you please come and identify him? I said, I want to buy her lunch. But we have a whole lot of Christians who do not know who they are. Put your hand up again. Say with me. I am who he says I am. I can do what he says I can do. Let me give you one more right quick. I have what he says I have. Do you believe that? You sung it today. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not what? Number four, I am loved. I am loved. I am loved. I am loved. Romans 5 and 8. You know what Romans 5 and 8 says? I got to come down here to tell you this one. This will set your feet to dancing. But God, this is Romans 5 and 8, but God commendeth. Is that on the board? These people are wonderful. Give them a good hand. They are brilliant. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us listen to me when you were a filthy rotten deplorable depraved degenerate I'm, I'm looking for other words rebellious stubborn defiant you guys want to help me with some more that's as bad as it gets. Sinner! Jesus loved you enough to die on a cross. If you'd have been the only sinner on the world, he would have still done that. That's love. That's love. be honest with you, I know a little about some of your past. I don't think I'd have died for you. But Jesus died for me and for you. If he loved you that much, now that you're his child, with your sins forgiven, how much do you think he loves you now? The Bible says neither life nor death nor things present nor things to come nor principalities nor powers can separate us from his love. Nay, I'm quoting the King James, in all these things we are more than conquerors through his love. How many of you have kids or grandkids? Let me see your hand. How many of you love those kids or grandkids? Oh, my goodness. The other day I was working outside. I have a 10-year-old grandson. It's my youngest grandson. And he, his mama brought him over, and he's, I was working in the yard. He said, Pap, could you, uh, could you give me a job? That's unusual for a 10-year-old. Of course, for pay. I said, I said, sure I can. I said, let me get you a five-gallon bucket. You can pick up pine cones, and I'll pay you. You, you, you buck them, and, uh, put them in a bucket and bag them, and I'll pay you. Okay. He'd been working about 15 minutes, and he turned to me and he said, Pap, I want to tell you something. I love you. <laughs> we worked about 15 more minutes, and he said, Pap, I just want to tell you again, I love you. That happened a third time. We got through work and he did a good job. I said, son, how much I owe you? <clears throat> he knows how to do this. <laughs> he said, whatever you think, Pap. <laughs> Here's what I thought. I didn't do it. I said, how about a $100 bill? 
I did pay him a whole lot more than he should have got. But I want to tell you something. I love that little guy. If I love that little guy like that as a human being with my weaknesses and my limitations, how much more does God love you? You can't run far enough to get away from God's love. God will never stop loving you. God cares about you. God is concerned about every detail of your life. Put your hand up and say, I know, I know God loves me. Come on, say it. I know God loves me. What kind of day would you have if every day you said with your mouth, I am who he says I am? I can do what he says I can do. I have what he says I have. I am loved. Would y'all give me just three minutes to let me do the fifth one? Would you do that? Thank you. Here's number five. I know that all things are working together for my good. All things. Everybody say with me, all things. That's my wife's favorite verse in the Bible, right there. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, and those are called according to his purpose. Now, i got to be honest with you. That's my wife's favorite verse. That's not necessarily my favorite verse. She's a better Christian than me. I'm working on it. She reminds me of this. All things, all things, all things, whatever's going on in my life, whatever's happening in my life, whatever is happening, God says in his word that this is going to work together for my good. It's going to be better than it was before this happened because God is going to take those things. It doesn't say all things are good. How many of you know that's true? People see Carol and I and, and we're in services and, and we're, we're pretty positive about our lives and, and uh, they'll say, yeah, you, you can say that you, because nothing's ever gone wrong in your life. Really. But I want to tell you this. I've learned this is true. Don't say all things are good. All things are not good. There's been some bad things happen in my life. I've experienced some, some bad things. But as I look back down the road, God took those bad things and turned them into good things. I was born, I was born in the country, in a little farmhouse. I wasn't even born in the hospital. I know what you're thinking, that's why you got issues right there. <laughs> I, I was born, I was born in the country. My daddy was a farmer, my mama was a country woman, an incredible cook. It's amazing about country wives, they are incredible cooks. My mama could cook, I mean cook, let me tell you. And she could make biscuits like you can't imagine. I'm not talking about store-bought frozen biscuits. I'm not talking about things you snap on the counter and it pops open and you put it in the oven. I'm talking about she made, you understand, real biscuits? Did you ever watch anybody make real biscuits? I watched my mama. Everything that goes in biscuits is basically bad. Now think about it. Flour. I want everybody to go home and eat a good pan of flour. I mean, just go ahead and get that down your throat. I've never eaten raw flour. Have you? No, it's terrible. Uh, what, about, what about lard? Now, we use fat-free grease today, but my mama used lard. Just go home and eat you four tablespoons of lard. That'd be great. This is getting bad, isn't it? I'm trying to keep you from thinking about lunch. What about baking soda? Don't you just love baking soda? I mean... This is good. No, it's terrible. How about salt? Get you a couple of tablespoons of salt. Oh man, I just love this raw salt. 
Hmm? All of that's bad. But my mama could take that and she'd start working it and working it and working it and working it together and working it together and working it together. Now today they, 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 you know, they got the little biscuit cutters. My mama didn't have no biscuit cutter. She pinched them off and they was about that big. In Louisiana we called them cathead biscuits. Y'all understand that? She'd put them on this black tray and slide them in the oven. It wouldn't be long till you would feel drawn to the kitchen. My goodness, incredible. You know why? Because she could take all the bad stuff and work it together. Now listen, if my little old mama could do a job like that, what do you think the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the all-powerful, all-wise, omnipotent, all-knowing God can do with those issues in our lives that have been bad and painful and, and hurtful and damaging? God can take those things. Let me tell you something. You may have been betrayed. You may have experienced a horrible betrayal, but God has got something better for you than the guy or the gal that walked out on you. God can take the bad things in life. That's what this verse says. Look at this verse. We know, we know. It doesn't say some things. It says all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. What kind of day would you have if every day you confessed it and you meant it with your mouth, all things are working together for my good? That guy that cut me off that guy that jumped ahead of me at Walmart that's working together for my good (laughs) yes sir come on somebody what kind of day would you have if you started your every day with five confessions of faith and Jesus picked up on what you said and said heavenly father what's your name what is it Sebastian Sebastian what, what, what kind of a day would Sebastian have if every day Sebastian made those five confessions and Jesus in heaven said, by the way, Father, old Sebastian down there in Comanche or Duncan or wherever you live, he's speaking your word. You're going to have to do something for him today. He'd make one of them cute girls pay attention to you. But <laughs> All things work together for good to those that love God. Do you believe that? I want to pray for you right now. Could I do that? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.